Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Hallelujah. God is good. Well, our pastor sent me a WhatsApp this morning. But I didn't get a picture. <laughs> now you wait till I see him. Hallelujah. Actually, a friend of mine lost her suitcase somewhere in Spain. And she got it back the day before she flew back to England. But uh, so it, it is a concern, isn't it, when you lose things? Come on. It's a concern when you lose things. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you think I'm a little odd this morning, it's because I've got a trapped nerve somewhere around here, which is not very good to say the least. But God's good. All the time. All the time, God is good. Well, actually, when Leanne said last week, she said, I'm, we're going to finish this series in the book of Hebrews, I thought, oh, no, you're not. (laughs) Hebrews 11 is an incredible chapter. We've dealt with some incredible people as we've looked at some of the characters that we find in Hebrews chapter 11. And I just want to explore a little bit more behind the scenes You know, we talked about the the marvelous way that God has used them. But I want to look at some of the the problems that they faced and that they overcome. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us, let us, Lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. That's a remarkable statement in itself. Despising shame, Anna sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. You know, in the Old Testament, the priest never sat down. He went into the temple, he worked, he worked, he never, never sat down. The only time he sat down is when he had finished his course of ministry and came out and handed over the reins to somebody else. But our Lord and Saviour, our great high priest, completed the work on the cross of Calvary and is now seated at the right hand of God. And what's he doing? He's praying for us. Hallelujah. He's making intercession for us. 
James chapter 5, verse 16 and verse 18 talks about Elijah. He says, confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. For the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. (coughs) And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. So if you look at Elijah and think, this great superstar is just like us. I don't promise you you're going to live like Elijah did, because Elijah hasn't died yet, because God took him to heaven. But he lived in this, with the same problems, the same difficulties that you and I face. The lack of confidence, the concern about what God was saying to us, what, what was God saying to him. He was like us. He ticked like us. He breathed like us. He ate like us. Here's a prayer from the St. Francis of Assisi. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love, and in giving that we receive, and in pardoning that we are pardoned, and in dying that we are born to eternal life. You see, in reality, friends, when you're a member of the church of Jesus Christ, you're not here for your own benefit. We're not gathering in, in Charlotte Street. I nearly said Spencer Street then. We're not gathering in Spencer Street. And That's a faith mission of me, friends. Irrespective of what the oversider did do, I believe we should be back in Spencer Street. Anyway, oh, I shouldn't have said that, should I? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll develop it so all of you understand. Ten... 20 years ago, the church became too small, exactly like we are today. And we moved out, and we moved into Spencer Street Church because it was available. And God blessed us. You know, I believe we're on the verge again of another move of God. Not just emotionally and physically, but physically, God wants to move us on. God wants to take us out of this place into a place that's bigger. And so we need to go together. We need to grow together. We need to move forward in faith. We're here as a unit of God's people to touch the community in which we live. We're about people, friends. We had a cat meeting down in in Lighthouse uh, on, on, um, what's her name, Um, Gloucester Street, on, on... Friday, 
we had a young lady changing clothes in and out like a yo-yo. We had people coming in and out. But the atmosphere was great. You know, we were telling people about the things of God and about how, how, to, how to cook and how to shop and how to budget. It's all part of the kingdom, friends. We need to be co- able to control our finances. So do pray, friends, for the vision of the oversight of this church. We need to believe together. We need to work together. We're here for the kingdom of God's sake. We're here for the kingdom of God's sake. Now, I'd like to look back at some of the, the prophets of old, their character, their lifestyle. We have Noah, David, Elijah, Joshua, and Abraham. We take note of God's hall, God's hall of fame in Hebrews 11. And perhaps our conclusion this morning, <laughs> we say, it was all right for them. They had a special relationship. Yes, but their relationship with God is not in, in exclusive. Their relationship with God is ex, is in, ex, I'm not sure it's conclusive I'm in there. It wasn't just for them, it's for us as well. You can have the same relationship with God. You can have the same potential with God. Why do I say that? Because James tells us Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and he did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. Now, I am not seeking to belittle their achievements in God. But let's go behind the scenes. What do you think about the conversation that Isaac had with his dad? When they were going up the mountain, and Isaac, Abraham had been told that he'd got to sacrifice his son. Did he tell his son? What would he have said when Isaac said, what about the sacrifice? Yes, I know what the Bible says. The Bible says God himself will provide a sacrifice. But I don't know about you, but that probably wouldn't have satisfied my curiosity. And I can imagine they had quite an interesting discussion as they climbed up the mountain. Now, we know the story. We know how it worked out, and we thank God for that. But can you imagine what was going through both of their minds and their discussion? We look at Hebrews chapter 11 and we get, we get a concise picture with God just says what happened. But as you look back in, in, in the Old Testament in Genesis, you'll find there were questions. What do you think Noah said? When God said to him, I want you to build an ark. He said, what? You want me to build an ark? What's an ark? Well, it's it's a big boat. You want me to build a big boat in the desert? 
nowhere near the water. What are you on about? He said, well, I want to tell you, Noah, I'm going to judge the earth and it's going to rain. Now, I want to tell you, Noah didn't come from Manchester. So when he said it's going to rain, he would have said to him, what on earth is rain? Now, can you imagine having been alive 500 years and never seen rain? Well, that's the state Noah was in. He had never seen rain. And God said, I want you to build a boat because I'm going to judge the earth. Wow. And Leanne dealt last week with David. You know, his brothers weren't very keen on him. And he struggled in the situation, I'm sure. We all like to be liked, don't we? We all like to be loved. We all like to be a part of the family. And so, I'm, I'm sure David had problems with confidence. He had confidence with, with rela- uh, difficulty with relationship with his brothers. And yet, he overcome that because there was a confidence in God. Now, can we move on a little few years? Uh, and we're in the promised land. Who dreamed up the plan for Jericho? To walk in silence till I give the word. Their track record wasn't very encouraging. They'd spent 40 years in the wilderness because they wouldn't obey God. And I know we've got a new generation that's going to the promised land, but, but they are the, the sons of their fathers who was rebellious. And so, what's the the idea of walking around Jericho and and not doing anything till you're told to? How on earth were they going to keep quiet? And have you ever looked at the walk around Jericho? There were seven priests, seven ramsword, seven days the city was encompassed. They went round once a day for six days. And on the seventh day, they went round seven times. We're not sure the size of Jericho, but the circular must have been at least five miles. So on day one, they walked five miles. Day two, they walked five miles. Day three, they walked seven, five miles. Six. And day seven, they walked 35 Miles. And what's more, Joshua was 80 at the time. And what's more, it was a Sabbath. And so what they were doing was, was against their sa- the Sabbath, the Mosaic law. And they all kept quiet, and then they blew the trumpet, and down felt the walls. Amazing stories. Amazing incidents of people believing God. 
But they weren't supernatural. They weren't programmed robots. They weren't a computer. They were a, a person like you and me. And when we go up to them and we pinch them, you hurt, don't you? And when we shouted at, we cower and say, oh, I'm sorry. Like nature. They weren't super, you know, that we can get these pictures that they were super duper. They were just available to God. They spent time being involved with God. Human, I can't even pronounce his name. Humendi, who's the guy who plays the violin? <laughs> this fella, Humendi, is one of the greatest violin players this world has ever seen. Do you know he practices every day? And when asking why he'd practiced every day, he said, I can see a little progress. A little progress. He doesn't need to practice because he's brilliant. But he does practice because he has a conviction that he wants to be better, that he wants to have a, a greater talent, a greater ability to play the violin. And friends, I'm not talking about practicing, but I'm talking about spending time with God. Just going through the routine. If you're looking to do something for great for God, then I'm afraid you're not just going to get it like that. But if you spend time with God, if you wait upon the Lord, if you read your Bible, or go through the, the, the normal process of, of developing your relationship with God, God will come right into the situation. Zacharias was going about his ministry in the temple and, and the angel came and spoke to him about his wife, Elizabeth, having a baby. Mary was just a little young girl. And suddenly she's visited by a divine angel. She wasn't looking for an angel. But an angel came <coughs> and spoke the word. And Jesus was born. You see, Elijah was so concerned about the spiritual state of the nation and the pagan leadership, he gave himself to prayer. He prayed for six months in isolation. We're not sure when the word of God came about that it's not going to rain, but he was in isolation, seeking God, and the word of God came. And in those six months, Elijah's confidence was established. Can you imagine? God gives him the message. And they said, you've got to go and deliver this to Ahab. Wow. Was one of the most wickedest kings of Israel. And you've got to go and face him. Can you imagine this morning? God gives you a word. I want you to go to Buckingham Palace on Wednesday, Ken. And I want you to get the queen and I want you to grab her by, the, by her, a jacket and give her the word that I've just given you. Can you imagine? Oh. I 
I ate too much cheese last night, Lord. Well, Lord, I think it's a great message, but we send Phil. <laughs> Phil won't go, so he said, send Bill. <laughs> but you can, you know, that's, I can imagine that's how Elijah felt. Yes, he was concerned about the pagan leadership, and they were pretty vile, but he was concerned... And he was concerned enough to get along with God and pray. But when God said, you're going to be part of this prayer. You're going to be part of this prayer. God specializes in taking people who pray to be part of their prayer. Because when the disciples complained about the, he said the fields are white unto harvest, he said to the disciples, you go and pray that the Lord will provide laborers. And the next chapter, he's sending them off to minister and so if you're going to pray don't be surprised if God doesn't make you the answer to your prayer but that doesn't mean to say you shouldn't pray don't duck the issue and so Elijah prayed in isolation God's word was given Elijah's confident. You know, so often it's, it's, it's not the word that God gives us. It's the ability to deliver that word. The confidence that the word is the right word. And then the strength to go and do it. And he finally did it. And he went up to Ahab. And this is basically what he said. I want to tell you, Ahab, it ain't going to rain for three years, according to my word. He didn't even blame God. He said it was according to, he was so confident that what God had spoken to him and God had given him, he had to deliver it. And so he spoke the word. And then David, a few weeks ago, our beloved pastor a few weeks ago, did the process of God's support to Elijah, through Carmel, the amazing deliverance and bringing the nation back to God. And then Elijah takes time to pray for the rain. You know, he gets on his knees and prays and sends his servant to see if there's a cloud and sends him again and again and then the rain comes and Elijah picks up his, his mantle and he outruns the, the, the chariot of Ahab I think Elijah was 80 and he ran faster than a chariot. Amazing. That's a story in itself. And then Jezebel. Wicked, wicked, wicked Jezebel threatens Elijah's life. Elijah's just had put to death umpteen thousand of prophets of Baal and took no problem with it but a woman speaks I tremble when my wife speaks (laughs) (laughs) 
because you know she's right most of the time. But Elijah was absolutely scared to death. And there's a process of running from God. And he, he, he has a visitation with God. He runs 120 miles. He, he, he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights as he's running away from Jezebel. And he meets with God and goes up the mountain. And he has a conversation with God. And then God recommissions him. And he sends him back 160 miles. So he, he, he was here and he goes there. And God sends him down there. You see, we can't run away from God. We make mistakes. We must pick ourselves up. We miss God's opportunities. Don't sulk. Talk with God and try again. My wife didn't like this illustration, but I'm going to use it anyway. You know, we've got a light bulb today because Thomas Edison perceived the idea. Some say making 1,000 failures before he made one that really worked. He experimented, it didn't work. He got up next day and had another go, refined it, and it didn't work, and he got up and had another go, and he re- it didn't work. Yeah. And if he did one a day and he took a thousand, that's nearly three, about two and a half years, just seeking to get the thing right. right. So don't give up when it doesn't really work out the first time. Winston Churchill was invited to go and speak as as the guest speaker at a a graduation of his old school. And when it was time for the great man after, after World War II to come and give his speech at this school, he stood to his feet and his grumpy voice says, never give up, never give up, never give up, never give up and then sat down. (laughs) But the truth is, friends, we should never, ever give up. Maybe God has challenged you to a step of faith. Maybe this morning you're in the valley of decision. A couple of weeks ago at our Friday night for prayer and praise, God gave me a very simple word. I was just about to give it when Seth came out and then Leanne got up and started to talk. And what was on my heart, Leanne gave it in a different way. But I want to share those three words that God gave me on that night. Just do it. Just do it. And now I know it's a Nike promotion word, but just do it. Don't procrastinate. 
Don't put off tomorrow what God is saying. If God is saying something and you're convinced God is saying, or if you aren't convinced it's really God, because sometimes you don't know until you jump into the fire. So, just, 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 just do it. And if it works out, praise God. And if it doesn't work out, never give up. Never give up. Just go on seeking God, praying, reading your Bible, allowing the word of God to, to penetrate your spirit, allowing you to play the violin better. You'll develop your relationship with God. Don't sulk, just ask God. Just live in God and allow God to bring his word and then exercise that word in Jesus' name. You'll never know until you try. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life-cc.org.